I'm San Francisco Chronicle columnist Heather Knight, and you're listening to Fifth in Mission. Buffy Wicks is a state assemblywoman from Oakland who's suddenly famous around the country. That's because the assembly speaker said she couldn't vote by proxy on the final day of session, even though she has a newborn baby, is still recovering from a C-section surgery, and the COVID-19 pandemic continues to rage. So she drove to Sacramento and cast some crucial votes with her baby in her arms. So please, please, please pass this bill, and I'm going to go finish feeding my daughter. Thank you. The story has gone viral, and Assemblywoman Wicks is here today to talk about how it feels to become a symbol for the inadequate way California and the country treat new moms. Buffy Wicks, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Well, you've certainly been in the news a lot this week. Um, How does it feel to be getting praised on Twitter by Hillary Clinton and profiled in the media all over the country? Uh, It's a little nuts. (laughs) (laughs) Not going to lie. It's a little crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Is it good crazy or bad crazy? Yeah. I mean, I think it's, you know, uh, I mean, one never, I think, expects this sort of thing to happen. And I think with what happened on Monday, I think what it's really speaking to is like a broader issue that like many of our working families are being faced with in terms of struggling to do all the things right now, especially our working moms. And so I think that's what it's really all about. Yeah. Um, so walk me through that night. When did you realize that you had to get to Sacramento in person with your newborn to cast your votes? Um, well, it was a little up in the air if I was going to be able to proxy vote. I had requested it. They were trying to figure out um, if I could do it legally. And the speaker ultimately decided that um, they were concerned about the legality challenges of, of me proxy voting. Um, you know, and there's, I think, a debate that that legal scholars will have on if it's um, you know, if, if you can proxy vote or not, but they came down with the decision not to allow me to, mm-hmm. um, that maternity leave did not qualify. And then I was basically this past weekend, um, was trying to figure out what I do. You know, I had thought I would be able to proxy vote. I had told many of my colleagues I would be, I, you know, voting for their bills. You know, I knew there was a number of contentious bills that were going to be voted on at the end of session. Um, and the way it works in California, you know, the, the end of a two-year session, which is what we were at, um, on Monday, August 31st at the, at the, as soon as the clock strikes midnight, all the bills that have not passed turn into pumpkins and die and have mm. to be redone for next year. Um, so it's always, you know, the, there's a lot of last minute stuff that happens. Um, I knew there were going to be some big bills like the family leave bill was going to be, you know, up for, for vote. Um, a housing bill that would allow for more housing was going to be up, you know, an eviction mm-hmm. protection bill um, was a, a critical one, the, the ban on single use plastics, all really important stuff that I knew would be very tight. Um, and I was telling colleagues, oh, I think I should be able to proxy vote. It sounds like I'm going to be able to And when it was still like a little bit up in the air. And then it was told I wouldn't be able to. So over the weekend, I kind of had to decide, you know, do I stay at home? Um, you know, I'd had my daughter July 26th um, and wow. I had a, a C-section. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, she was, you know, four weeks old and I'm still recovering. And um, so I said, do I stay at home and, you know, nurse my child every two to three hours and kind of, you know, call it a day and be done with a legislative session, you know, for this year? And, um, or do I go up to Sacramento and vote on the bills that I care a lot about, you know, and I'm, I'm a co-author on a lot of those bills. And, um, and there was, there were other bills too. We, we listened to, I don't know, maybe 50 bills that day. Wow. Um, and, uh, and voted on them, you know, and, and, and if I do go, do I take my, my four week old with me? Um, you know, knowing that there had been, you know, last week, the week prior, um, coronavirus, uh, members tested positive in the Senate and, you know, or a member did and a Senator did as well as, um, some CHP who are in the building. 
um, that the that the virus had been in the building. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, so, what do I do? Yeah. <laughs> so my husband, my husband and I chatted about it quite a bit, um, and took took a day or two to kind of re- you know figure out what we wanted to do. But ultimately, I decided I was going to go. That these votes are important to me. Um, I have colleagues counting on me, and also constituents and issues I passionately care about. And that, you know, we decided that I would bring um, our daughter with me because we're nursing. And so right. I'm feeding her every two to three hours. Um, she's been with me for the first month of her life and inside of me for the prior 10, you know. Uh-huh. So um, so I packed up like, you know, the all of the bells and whistles that a little eight pound baby needs. Uh, it's a lot of bells and whistles. I remember <laughs> yes, those days. <laughs> I know. They're little, but they require a so lot. So much stuff. You know? Yeah. So and off I went to Sacramento from Oakland on Monday morning, you know, knowing it was going to be a very long day, knowing that we would, you know, be going right to the midnight deadline, if not longer. Um, and that, you know, I would be in, you know, also the other piece of this is was figuring out how do we make this as safe as possible? So I spent the vast majority of the day in my office and not on the floor of the assembly. Mm-hmm. Um, cause the floor is, you know, it's a, any given moment, there's about a hundred people walking around there. Yeah. They're, they're in there hours on end. You know, I just did not want to be on the floor and everyone's wearing masks and is, is, is pretty respectful of the sort of six feet space. Um, but you know, I just didn't want to be in a, an enclosed environment for that long with so many people. So I spent the majority of my time, um, in my office, you know, feeding my daughter, changing her diaper, burping her, trying to get her to sleep, you know, all the things that you do, yeah. um, with a newborn me, while then running down and voting on stuff, you oh know, my gosh. and, so it's kind of juggling those two things um, and was doing that all day, um, frankly, and, and all night. And, you know, was there when we vote, I, you know, we did, we got, we need 41 uh, votes to pass a bill in the assembly and um, the family leave bill came up and, you know, 41 people voted for it. And I <laughs> yeah. was one of the 41. Um, and so I cast that vote with my daughter in my arms, you know, um, it's kind of like so, a movie. I mean, you were literally I, I <laughs> voting on a family leave bill as you're holding your newborn I, baby. Yeah, exactly. You totally. Um, and so I knew that bill was going to be really, really important. So that was one of the main reasons I was there. And then I ended up speaking out on, um, the housing bill SB 1120, which was, um, the Senate pro tem Tony Atkins bill. And that was, um, really late in the evening. And, you know, uh, Assembly Member Rob Rivas, um, who's a good friend and colleague, he was the, what we call floor jockey for that bill. Mm-hmm. Um, he was the one in the assembly who was running the bill on the floor. And he and I have been chatting all day about votes and, you know, um, he was really trying to get that bill through. And so I said, let me know how I can help. What, what can I do to help? And, you know, I had gone back to my office. It was probably like 1130. I was feeding my daughter. She was hungry. Um, I was sitting there in my office and watching the floor proceedings and all of a sudden the bill comes up and then all of a sudden you know rob texts me and he's like you know hurry up uh, the bill's up i need your help and we knew that you know we still had a bunch of bills to hear and we had that bill in particular and and that you know we had to get past it and get it over to the senate by midnight or sorry prior to that so that the senate could vote on it mm-hmm. um and they the senate had to vote on the version that we had passed by midnight for it to you know oh be gosh. sent to the governor's desk so it was all happening very fast so i just basically i was feeding my daughter i basically kind of detached her from me you yeah. know? and um, she didn't love that. And, um, you know, I, I threw a blanket over her and um, uh, I just trying to like protect her in any way that I could. I didn't want people kind of breathing on her, you know? Yeah. Um, and I ran down two flights of stairs with her in my arms. I didn't wow. have like a baby Bjorn or anything. This really I just should was... be a movie. 
<laughs> I know it's very dramatic. Um, you know, and rushed onto the floor and, um, Rebecca Bauer Kayan, my colleague was like, you want to speak on this? I said, yeah. And she looked up at Kevin Mullen, who was presiding. He said, pop up on the podium. And so up I went and, you know, I, I didn't have any prepared remarks, but I wanted to just be very quick because we have to get the bill voted on and over to the Senate, yeah. you know, and I knew that whatever I was going to say had already been said before, you know, um, that I wasn't going to like, you know, provide any profound insight on the bill that already hadn't been articulated, but that I wanted to basically to like plead with my colleagues to vote for the bill. And I, it's funny, it's sort of when I walked up to the podium, I thought, here I am like kind of holding my four week old. That's a little unusual. You know? <laughs> Just a bit. Um, and like everyone sort of stopped and looked at me like, what is she doing? Um, but I, you know, I basically, and it was a very kind of moment of sort of like, I have to say this quickly. My mask is falling off. I'm trying to keep it on. My daughter starts like my daughter yeah. starts crying. I'm like making sure the blanket is over her. You know, it's sort of all these things. And I think, you know, I just was like, please, please, please vote for this bill. You know, she starts crying, and I say my sort of my 30 second piece, and then I'm like, okay, I got to go feed my daughter, and I'm out. You know, yeah. and it, you know, it was definitely, I think, um, one of those moments where. I think every mom has been in that moment, Yeah, you know, like, and maybe not on the floor of the California state assembly, <laughs> but you know, in whatever context of their life where you're just like, I've got shit to do. You know, things yeah, are coming you're being at me. pulled in like, a million directions. Mm -hmm. You're being pulled in a million directions and your kid's hungry or they're tired or they're whatever, their diaper needs to be changed. And, yes. you know, and I think that's why it like took this sort of viral life that it did, Right. you know, of just like many women have been there. And mm -hmm. so I think that's, that's why it kind of took off, but I didn't, I had no idea that that would and that it did. And, you know, I then ended up, you know, having to be on the floor a little bit longer to vote for all these bills. And I just wanted to get out of there. I was exhausted exhausted I bet you know and and I still had to drive home to Oakland that night so I just you know got through the night packed up all of our stuff you know made my way home by the time I got home and into bed it was like three o'clock in the morning and wow. um you know obviously I had to feed her when I got home and um I look at my phone and I was like oh people are talking about this a little bit you know um and then not it kind just of a little bit <laughs> And then it just sort of like sort of spiraled the next day and whatnot. Um, yeah. And so here we are. Do you think you kind of became a symbol of how um, our workplaces and government and everything else is just not set up for new mothers and how difficult everything is for parents? Well, that's what it, that's what it is. It's a yeah. symbol of that. And it's a symbol of, you know, and I think the important point is um, when you look at the policies that we have and how disproportionately uh, women of color are impacted by this um, and low-income communities about the fact that we don't have, you know, we don't have a national paid leave policy or one of two industrialized nations that doesn't have that, right? Yeah. We don't have, you know, affordable or free early childhood care, you know, and, you know, that's, it's cheaper, I think, in 33 states to send your kid to college than it is to send them to to preschool, you know, wow. like in the average cost in the Bay Area, I think is $25,000 a year for preschool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, um, crazy. and that's, that's crazy. That is insanity, you know, and you know, we don't have good paid leave policies, all of these things that help families, you know, with the struggles of being, becoming a new family. Um, we don't have the support networks. And I think that is why people, that's what they recognized in that moment, you know? Yeah. And it's sort of, that's, I think the obvious sort of point, you know, why mm -hmm. are we, why do we make it so hard to be a mom and a dad, mm -hmm. you know, like, yeah. 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 So, and I read that you actually were worried that you were going to get flack for going to vote with your newborn, but then you were kind of pleasantly surprised with the feedback. Yeah. I mean, instead. I thought like, yeah, I mean, I was like, people are going to judge me for this, you know, like, what is she doing with her kid here? You know, but it's like, 
the end of the day, man, I got a daughter, I got a feeder and I got a mm-hmm. boat. So we're just going to just try to to hold it all together here. Power you know? through. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 totally, totally. And have you spoke with uh, Speaker Rendon? I know uh, he put out a statement apologizing, but have you spoken yeah. to him personally? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've been talking on and off over the last mm-hmm. couple of days um, mm-hmm. pretty regularly, you know, and I have a really good relationship with him, you know, and I think he was trying to make it work so that I could have, um, you know, to, to, to vote proxy. Um, you know, obviously he decided ultimately not to, um, you know, my hope is coming out of this. He and I can work together on refining that proxy mm-hmm. policy. And it, I think it's, it's not just, you know, my case where I have a, you know, a, a newborn, but, you know, we have colleagues whose spouses are undergoing cancer treatment or who wow. care for their, you know, their elder parents at their home, yeah. you know? And so we have spouses, I think in other situations where they are caregiving in a different mm-hmm. kind of way. Um, and we have to make it easier for them and, and, you know, make it safe for them to both do their job, but then also be caregivers. And not only for our, my, my colleagues and our staff at the Capitol, but most importantly, for this, the, the, the residents of, and constituents and citizens and non-citizens of California, yeah. you know, we need to have better policies across the board. And so my hope is coming out of this is there's a real focus on how do we do that? And obviously, a lot of this is a national conversation god willing you know we mm-hmm. get rid of the massages race racists in the white house right now you <laughs> yep. know we take back the senate and we mm-hmm. pass these bills um but also there's a lot we can do here in california and also locally yeah um, so that's the stuff i'm pretty um, motivated to continue to work on mm-hmm. and i know you're also a big advocate for making it easier to build housing in california and you um, had three housing measures get to the governor's desk this session right just wondered if you could walk us through sure. um, those and why you think they're so important yeah, no, housing is, um, is, I've spent a lot of time and energy working on housing. It's a big issue in my district. Uh, and it was obviously the, what I spoke to on the floor the other night. Um, but, you know, we had a housing package, the, the Senate and the Assembly did the housing package together. Most of it didn't make it through. I was mm-hmm. really, of the three bills that made it to the governor's desk, two of mine were in that housing package. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the one, it was a bill that makes it easier to build multifamily housing and mm-hmm. in um, more moderate income neighborhoods so that we can have more um, different types of folks with different life experiences and different income levels living in uh, more affluent communities. Um, and, and being able to exercise the riches of those communities, good schools and grocery stores and stuff, you know. Um, so that's a bill that, um, that barely made it through both the, the Senate and the Assembly. Um, I have another bill, my church parking lot bill, which is one of my favorite ones. Um, <laughs> we've got, you know, affordable housing developers who want to build on church parking lots. And we have churches who want to have that housing. And what ends up stopping it all from happening in many cases is local municipalities have strict parking requirements for churches. And this what? is like- an, That's so bizarre. I know. <laughs> and, but it's an easy thing we can fix. You know, you yeah. have a church can, you know, rent a high school parking lot for that Sunday and run shuttles, you know, mm-hmm. for instance, right? Or carpools or whatever, you know, let's not stop housing from happening because of that issue. We can overcome that issue. So my bill reduced the parking requirements um, so that we can build housing um, in those places. And, you know, the, the Turner Center at UC Berkeley did a report and I think it was like, 38,000 acres are available now for affordable housing in California, mm-hmm. um, uh, which is which is super exciting. So that bill got through. And then I had the third bill I had was, which wasn't part of the housing package, but also an important one was folks who have unsecured debt, uh, like credit card debt or um, medical debt or student loan debt. Um, prior to my bill, and hopefully the governor signs it into law, they could be foreclosed on. And uh-huh. the, the average amount is $8,000. Wow. So you could lose your house for $8,000 of debt. 
Um, and so this bill basically won't allow foreclosures on homes for $75,000 or less of unsecured debt. Um, and I think that's going to be an important bill because folks are facing real economic hardship right now, but we want to keep people in their homes. You well, know, you've had a productive year. Foreclosure. Yeah, no, I've got seven <laughs> on the personal the governor's and, desk. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and professional friend. And, but like you said, a lot of the housing measures did not make it. Why do you think that so-called liberal California makes it so hard to build housing? And do you think that it's fair to call us progressive if so many Californians are, are actually NIMBYs when it comes to allowing other types of people into their neighborhoods? Um, well, I think on the housing issue, it's not like a Democrat versus Republican issue. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the sort of political fault lines are very interesting. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's historically been a little bit more about, you know, there's sort of two camps of how we solve our housing problem. There's the camp that says, you know, we have to build our way to, you know, it's a supply demand conversation. We've got to build, build, build. And then there's a side that says, you know, it's all rent control, you know, and then there's sort of everything in between that. Right. Yeah. Um, and so I sort of fall into the camp of, we absolutely have to build, we need to, to build at all income levels and, you know, subsidize affordable housing, but also middle income market rate housing. But we also have to provide tenant protections as well, you know? Um, and I think there are more legislators who are, um, I think, going to be doing both of those things more. Um, like myself, Rob Rivas, David Chu, obviously is huge in the space, you know, Phil Ting's done a lot of work. Um, there's a lot of great legislators who are, and then on the Senate side, you know, Na- you know, Nancy Skinner and, um, and Scott Weiner. Um, so I think it's changing a little bit in the legislature. Um, I hope it will continue to. Um, but, you know, I think what's really hard is these housing production bills that are about kind of building more homes. There's a, a school of thought of like, this needs to all be decided at the local level. And there's a school of thought that says, well, we've been deciding at the local level, we haven't been building enough homes, you know? Um, and so it's, I think, finding the right, the right laws that allow for streamlining of building homes, but still giving some like local agency to the process um, in, in its broadest term. Um, and so those, those are some of the bills that I've, I've been working on and will continue to work on. Cool. And I heard that your dad is a firefighter. Is that right? He, he is. Yeah. yeah he's, um, he's been fighting the current wildfires. He's, he's on a fire right now. Wow. Um, Which one? And he's, he's actually in Colorado because he's with okay. the U.S. Forest Service. Okay. Um, so he's 74 and he's wow. been retired. And he's for still about, fighting like, wildfires? Well, he's been retired for about 10 years, um, maybe even longer now. I'm getting old. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, he gets called up because, you know, they're such, they need the resources. So he gets, he does, you know, he gets called um, up on fire still all the time. Wow. Um, and so he's out there. I mean, my dad, my, my parents are like the energy they have, you know, I, I hope that I can match that energy when I'm their age. <laughs> well, it sounds like it. <laughs> so he's out there fighting fires. What do you think needs to happen? Um, I didn't realize he was in Colorado, but here locally in California to prevent these huge infernos from, you know, getting um, worse and worse every year. Yeah, I mean, I should say he's he's done the majority of his fires here in California. Okay. He's, he, he lives here and is from here, but he gets called out on some of the national ones too. I but, see. Um, so the majority of his work is done here. You know, I mean, I think, I think there's a number of things we need to do. You know, I do think the climate change issue is very real. You know, the earth is warmer and, mm-hmm. you know, the, there's these heavy fuel loads um, um, because it's drier, you know, um, or we'll get these big, you know, uh, storms that come in in the winter time and, and make everything lush and green. And the second summer hits, everything dries out and it's like a tinderbox out there. Yeah. Um, so I think there's, there's a need for immediate action on climate change. Um, so I think that's a piece of it. 
I think there's a need for more resources in terms of, you know, actual firefighters and equipment and all the things that we need to, to mitigate against it. Mm -hmm. I think there's a need to be smart about the kind of infrastructure, resilient infrastructure that we're building um, in communities. You know, we should be looking at things like, um, you know, gray water storage facilities to keep perimeters of communities green during mm -hmm. the summertime. You know, are there creative things that we can do in terms of how we have our infrastructure to support, you know, smarter ways of, you know, um, of mitigating against fires? And then I think also, you know, there's the whole conversation on either like controlled burns or um, the thinning of forests. But, you know, the, the problem is, is we have uh, such a heavy fuel load in so many places. Yeah. So figuring out how we can, how we can winnow that out, I think is also going to be really key. So there's a number of things I think that we need to do. And I'm not, mm -hmm. I'm no expert in, in fire policy or uh, it's not necessarily my area of expertise, but I just grew up around it um, yeah. with my dad. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, and, and it does impact my district. You know, I, I represent Berkeley and Oakland and we had the fires here in 1992 that, yeah. you know, were, were devastating. So it's very present here. I'll be right back with Buffy Wicks. I'm Heather Knight and I'm back with Assemblywoman Buffy Wicks. And you were an early hire in, um, Obama's 2008 campaign and worked in his White House on the Affordable Care Act. And the national picture um, politically has changed very dramatically since then. <laughs> How are you feeling about the November election? I know what you hope happens, but what do you <laughs> yeah. think the outcome will be? You know, I'm kind of torn. Some days I feel optimistic um, and some days I'm like doom and gloom. <laughs> yeah. But I always, I think it's, I think it's important to always be in a like a constant state of fear and paranoia as you had a new election day, <laughs> you know, um, and just making sure like, are we firing on all cylinders? You know, have we done everything we can to make sure we win? Um, you know, my, my obvious hope is that not only do we win, but that, you know, it is a resounding victory. Um, I, I do worry about it, even if it's close, if we do win the shenanigans that, mm -hmm. you know, Trump will pull after that. So my hope is that it's like a resounding victory. Um, you know, when I watched the conventions, it, you know, it was clear to me that the Democrats um, were putting forth a a big tent, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and wanting to make sure that we were speaking to the base, but also speaking to the the, the center and all the sort of places in between. Um, and uh, I think when you look at Trump's convention, I mean, I, I, I don't even know how to like put into words what that was, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> so, but he's clearly playing to his base. That's what he's doing. Um, he's not trying too hard to like, you know, I mean, he's doing some things to try to get your sort of moderate vote, but I think he's really kind of playing to his base. But, uh, you know, right now, I think if the election were all the day, I think we'd win, mm -hmm. probably. The presidency, I feel pretty optimistic about the Senate. There's some really good Senate candidates out there. Mm -hmm. um, I'm, I'm, I'm biased. I'm a big supporter of Mark Kelly. My, my mm -hmm. husband run, runs Giffords, so we're That's close cool. with, with, Mark, with Mark and Gabby. Um, so, you know, he's running in Arizona. I think he's a great candidate. You know, I think we have, you know, Colorado's a great opportunity, Maine, mm -hmm. you know, Iowa. You know, I think there's some really good opportunities there. And I do think if we, I think we'll hold the House. I think there's a chance we could take back the Senate. I think we can take back the White House. And if we do, I think it's, I mean, that's just so exciting to even think about, right? Yeah. Um, I think there's going to be swift and quick change um, happening um, in D.C. on a number of issues going mm -hmm. into that. I think gun control is one of them. I think mm -hmm. climate change is one of them. You know, you mentioned healthcare. You know, the the, the healthcare conversation has evolved um, so much since I was in the White House. You know, I remember mm -hmm. when I was there, we were working at ACA. And the idea of a public option was the most leftist thing that like, you know, like, <laughs> and now the idea of a public option to the Democratic Party is like, it's too conservative of a, of a view, you know, yeah. um, and we want Med Medicare for all, you know, but uh, hopefully, you know, if we get in there, we can, we can push for Medicare for all. 
um, model um, that could be, and again, that, that can look like a number of different things, but I think ultimately that's my hope is where we will go. Yeah. Well, you've survived all the serious questions and now it's time for the lightning round. <laughs> Many politicians have stumbled on these and found them more difficult. So just a warning. Um, where is your favorite <laughs> Where is your favorite place in the Bay Area to get a burrito? Oh my God. Um, I, I can I have a couple or just, sure. just one. We can t- we can accept it. So okay. So Pancho Villas in the Mission District, mm-hmm. um, right there. Um, what is that? Uh, it's 16th and Valencia. Uh, Valencia, right. So that's like my old school haunting grounds from like my 20s. So yeah. I kind of like give that a lot of, you know, I have a lot of good fond memories of that place. Um, I think in the East Bay, I, th- I love Comal uh, mm-hmm. in Berkeley, which is delicious. Um, they, the, the tortillas there are just like, I don't know what they do to those tortillas, <laughs> but it's something it. very special. Yeah. So those would probably be my like Kamal's my kind of go-to over here. And when I'm yeah. in San Francisco and I want to sort of like harken back to my youth. Yeah. Yeah. I go to Pancho Villas. Where's your favorite place in the Bay Area to get a stiff drink? Um, a stiff drink. So I actually, my little neighborhood spot is my jam. I've had my, my, um, it's called um, the Golden Squirrel. And uh-huh. it's in, it's in Rockridge off College Avenue. It's a little, like kind of little family pub. Um, but I've had all of my victory parties there for That's my fun. campaigns and, you know, friends with the owner. It's kind of a real community place. Mm-hmm. I always run into people that go to my kids preschool and, you know, um, I guess this is back more when people would go out, but yeah, drinks now. Um, okay. although, you know, I've been pregnant for so long, like I yeah. haven't <laughs> so, between the um, pandemic and the air quality. Yeah, exactly. It's been, it's been a while since I've had a stiff drink. I look forward yeah. to the opportunity though. So probably the golden squirrel. <laughs> That's a good one. Okay. If you could wave a magic wand, what's one thing you would change about the way Sacramento works? I mean, honestly, one of the things that I would love to see more of is more working together between the Senate and the Assembly and the governor's office on on the bigger issues that are impacting our state, Mm -hmm. you know, on housing and homelessness and, you know, climate change and some of these big ticket items and figuring Mm -hmm. out the ways that we can really like, you know, put our shoulder to the wheel and tackle these massive problems. Mm -hmm. Which is harder, being a politician or a mom? Uh, Being a mom, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's easy. What do you most look forward to about the pandemic ending? What do you want to do that you're not allowed to do now? Oh, I just like, I, I'm like a hugger. I love people. You know, I miss my friends and my family. Like yeah. my parents haven't gotten to see my daughter. My, they didn't see oh. my daughter once, Yeah, you know, because they're older and I don't want to yeah. expose them. And so things like that, like I just miss my family time. I miss my in-laws, you know, mm-hmm. like I definitely miss my family time. I miss my friends. I miss hosting dinners at my house with my yeah. friends coming over casually, like the friends and family stuff is what I really, really miss. Mm-hmm. Last question. What is one thing you always make sure to squeeze into your busy day? Uh, telling my kids I love them. Oh, that's great. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Great. Well, take care. Okay. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Thank you to Buffy Wicks for joining me today, to Taya Francesca Price for producing this episode, and to you for listening. <laughs>